Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. I'm John Polstrup. And I'm Greg Monteith. All right, I got some ideas, some things that have been happening to me. I want to bounce off of you and they actually relate to you, even though you weren't there. So... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you're going to say here, so I'm 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 really curious. So as as we all know, I'm an on again, off again NT Wright reader. I have not finished any of his books, but I've sure started a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> and surprised by hope, which I I think I mentioned before. Anyway, I, I was <laughs> reading it, and one thing led to another, and I threw it past my dad, and I said, "Hey, <laughs> I said, would you like to? Would you be interested in reading this book with me? Because right. I thought." I thought he would probably agree with it. Right. But on the other hand, I thought some of this, you know, I've grown up with my dad my whole life, so I kind of am sort of in, I think, mostly in sync with how he looks at the world and how he thinks of things. And I thought, you know, but I feel like some of this is different. And I don't know, I'm just wondering, these seem like really good ideas to me. Would he agree with them or not? And then we could have a conversation. And so Uh one thing led to another. And, and I said, hey, would you read it with me? And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll totally do that. So he's doing that. And then and then I was like, oh, well, maybe I, my mom would want to do it too. So I throw it out. And I was like, hey, does mom want to read it too? And long story short, my mom and dad are reading this book. And I go over to their house for breakfast. They live nearby. Okay. And we're going to talk about the first two chapters of the book. And right. so we're, we're, we're talking away on, on, I don't know, I can't even remember what section of the book. But we're talking about it. And we get to some different sections. And... I think a couple times I, you know, referenced my friend Greg. And I'm like, well, you know, Greg has this idea that this. And then, well, Greg has this idea of this. (laughs) And at a certain point, my dad was like, you know, it's great that Greg has this idea, but you got to figure out your own ideas here. (laughs) And I was Mm. like, hmm, okay, well, fair point. And it was, oh, I think it was in the context, it was in the context of of the Bible. Right. So anyway, it, my dad was my dad's encouragement to me was, you need to do your own study here. I mean, it's mm. it's good that you can talk to Greg and you can get ideas from Greg and that Greg's done so much work and that you can benefit from that. But you need to do your own work and figure out your own stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hmm, yeah, that's and you know, I have an assorted uh, past and baggage, et cetera that goes along with the Bible that we've sorted out in a number of episodes. But, so, you know, just reading the Bible isn't always my first inclination, but I thought, okay, I'm not going to just dismiss that. I'll kind of tuck that in the back of my head. Well, anyway, one day I'm sitting in my little office. In the morning I do kind of a, I don't know, a reflective routine, and sometimes I just sit in my little chair, sometimes I meditate, sometimes I read something, and across the room I saw the one-year chronological Bible that, incidentally, huh. my dad like lent me like years ago that I'd forgotten to return. And it's the it's an NIV translation of the Bible, and what they've done is they've put the Bible in chronological order from the beginning okay. of time. Not exactly, not when the books were written, but when the events happened, as best they can understand or determine. And so I picked this thing up. So this, anyway, this goes a couple different directions. One is I start flipping through this. I start, I'm like, well, 
Huh, good point. Yeah, I'm a kind of a sequential, I can be kind of a big picture global thinker and then I can also be very like sequential, especially when I'm trying to figure something out. I usually want to start at the beginning and just right. kind of start walking it. I was like, okay, well, I don't think I can read this whole thing in a year. This thing is massive, but I can at re- least, you know, do a little bit every day or every few days and see where I get. I started doing that, and anyway, it's been fascinating reading through Genesis and touching on some of the same things that you and I have been talking about in terms of, like, I've gotten as far as Noah and the, the covenant that God makes with Noah, and that's been interesting. And then, so there's this, when I even drew a little uh, a little mind map of my thoughts here. So anyway, it, nice. so that, so anyway, the whole topic of you need to do your own work spawned mm-hmm. a couple things. One this kind of looking into this one-year chronological Bible. I'm curious any mm-hmm. any listeners out there if, if anyone has done this or you know what their experiences are with this. There was also, I was just, I was taken aback. I mean, I knew that my dad knew the Bible pretty well. So I guess what it was is we're talking about you know some different ideas that N.T. Wright is putting forth about he- what heaven is and isn't and, uh, you know, what eternity looks like and all this. And and my dad was just like flipping from one end of the Bible to the other. Well, I think there's this, it was so funny. He's like, I think there's this section somewhere in revelation and he would just start flipping and he'd be like, Oh yeah, it's right here. (laughs) And he'd be like, yeah, it's this verse right here. And then he'd read it and we'd talk about it. And then, Oh, and then Uh there's this other verse in Galatians, but I have no idea what it is. And he'd start flipping around. Oh yeah, it's right here. And I I was just blown away. I was just like, wow, he has spent so much time reading the Bible and is like mm-hmm. so versed in where stuff is right? that I was struck. I was just, I don't know. I was just like, wow, I'm, I'm just feel so like this is my dad and he has like this level of proficiency. And that just spawned a few other thoughts and eventually I'm going to be done here. <laughs> um, which was, wow, can you get to that level of proficiency out of obligation and duty? <laughs> Ooh. Like, like, I don't think you can get to that level. I'm just speculating here. You, like, in other words, he has done that amount of study and reading because I'm guessing he, I'm sure there's a certain level of, of duty and obligation, but mm. there's also got to have been a certain level of he just wanted to do it. I haven't asked him. I should probably ask him this question. Um, so anyway, that was kind of one thought. Because, you know, so often it's the, at least in my growing up experience, it was, you know, you know, try to have your quiet time seven days in a row and make sure you're reading the Bible each day. Mm-hmm. And and it's this whole, like, thing that you should be doing versus that thing that you want to be doing. Right. The other thing that came out of it as I, as I reflected on this was this idea of, like, how complicated... And I think we were just talking about this in the previous episode, like how complicated the whole Christian story is. Yeah. Which, again, I never came away in the churches that I went to, you know, I never came away with the sense of like, wow, this is really complicated. You've got to really spend some time knowing and understanding this. It's just, you know, these little pieces about isn't God amazing? And here's a verse that says he is. And isn't that mm-hmm. great? You know, let's, let's call it a day and call it a week. Um, but then that spawned another question, which was like, 
it did take a long, long time to really get the full grasp of this whole deal with who God is, how we relate to him, why we're like, I, I don't know. It was just so <laughs> wow. any thoughts, yeah. any thoughts, any thoughts on my excessive thoughts? <sighs> well, it sounds like that was really quite a kind of a, a startling discovery for you in terms of your dad and just how much, first of all, how much he, he knows and obviously then how much time he's put in. And then as you say, Hey, I don't think this is all just because, uh, he had to do it. Right. There's a degree of, uh, real authentic engagement that must've been taking place here over a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Sounds like that's, that's mm-hmm. what I'm, I'm hearing you say mm-hmm. or, or wonder about anyways. Um, but I think that piece about the complexity of the story is very true, you know, and, and, and maybe that that we should be making some distinctions about these ideas. Like for example, that, that God loves me. And I think that God loves me. The notion that God loves me is a statement. There are statements to this effect, but it's all in the, in the biblical text, you know, that God is love and that God has acted on the behalf of the whole world for the sake of love. But that also it's a conclusion, right? That and 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 these things go together. They they not just go together in the sense that they're equivalent, but that they're kind of um, yeah. It's like a tapestry or a weaving. It's they're they're interwoven in a way that that gives them more force, but also more texture, more beauty. And I mean. Yeah, part of, I don't know, this may seem strange to you, but one of the thoughts that I have every now and again, and it's a sad thought, is I wonder if I will ever get to where I need to be or want to be, not not need to be, but where I want to be in terms of my exegesis and my, my um, abilities with the biblical text, particularly in the original languages. I mean, it, it doesn't take that long to, to master a language. You know, and, and I guess I'm speaking from my perspective too, as languages were what I did in my undergrad. So I'm, I, I, I'm not intimidated by them. But I wonder if, in the course of my life, in other words, if I'm going to have enough time to be yeah, totally, totally. You know, and here I am. I'm in my mid 40s, right? And and I'm hoping to change careers into something where I'm going to be doing this a little more regularly, where I'm going to have my hands in, in the text a little bit more regularly and being paid for it, right? Because that's a way to do it. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen out of that. I don't know what the future is going to hold. So, yeah, I think your point about it, the, the, the biblical story being more complicated is really quite accurate and insightful. And, you know, but <clears throat> can you make great gains on your own? I would think, yeah, you can. Like, well, I that's the, yeah, no one to kind of cut in the opposite direction. The other thought I had was, wow, this is really complicated, but then, like, I mean, so, like, how many years do you have to study until you get it? <laughs> In other words, like, we we don't all have 50 years to... No. So, like, no, I, don't. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think there's some truth in the idea that, um, on the one hand, it takes very little 
um, by way of understanding to kind of embrace an orientation that's basically Christian, you know, to, to say, yeah, okay, if I'm, if I'm hearing this correctly and if I'm, you know, that, that's not even something that, that, so in other words, kids can do that. And I'm going to cut back on my comment about if I'm hearing this correctly, kids, kids don't really say that they would, they would trust whatever they're given. And at a certain level, you know, they would either kind of engage or not. Now, see, this is one of the questions that we can have, and I think it's a legitimate question. Well, how much does somebody have to understand about Christianity? And and maybe we could say it even, how much do they have to understand about life or about themselves or about being a person, right, in order to make a legitimate kind of commitment to it? And I would say, that's not up to me. Thankfully, that is not my call to make. That is God's call to make. And God also has, you know, is involved in, you know, what's demanded of Greg? What's, what's demanded of John? Right? And, and uh, the, the, <clears throat> it's not as though it just gets easy. If you are somebody who's got enough, you know, we're Western people living at the beginning of the 21st century. We've got a lot of resources. Um, and we're, we're, we're bright. We're not mired down in... in, in you know, uh, national conflicts or anything like that. We've got the time to do this stuff, right? If you're, if if you have the time to watch TV or you can even think about listening to this podcast or doing anything like that, you've got the opportunity to, you know, investigate these matters more thoroughly, you know, get to have a sense of what Christianity is about in other words, or any other religion, right? Any other claim to truth and to, you know, the ultimate meaning for human existence. Um, yeah, and, and it gets pretty broad too. You know, somebody might say to me, well, how much time you put in with, with Buddhism? Mm, not too much. How much time you put in with Islam? Again, not too much. Shinto? Probably zilch, I've got to say. You know, I know a little bit about some of these other religions. Um, and and the, the, that's, that's a bit of a problem for me personally. I, I would want to know more because I am ruling them out. You know, and I think that they're making truth claims about the world, and I, I want to be able to, um, yeah, I feel like I've done my due diligence there. But the whole idea of due diligence when it comes to Christianity, I think a lot of it is starting. And I think a lot of it is realizing, you know, I just, I put out a blog post just, uh, I think, two weeks ago about the social implications of how we describe the nature of Christianity. And the, particularly that, you know, if I'm offering a description of Christianity that, that's not in line with what my peers are offering, I risk losing friends. I risk people at my church not associating with me, thinking that I'm not the right type of guy. You know, and that can be awfully weighty in terms of how I ultimately describe Christianity. You know, it can have an impact. And so when we're going through this process of understanding the biblical story, of trying to understand some of these things for ourselves, there are a lot of factors that are weighing upon us, whether we acknowledge them or not, whether we're aware of them or or not. And skill and time are not the only ones, in other words. So, Well, what are the other ones then? Well, it's the social implication. um, And... yeah, I don't know if there are more than that. Um, I guess that's a kind of a personal, how you view yourself too, right? If you're the type of person that you think you have to 
know it all and there, and you can't know it all. You can't know all of this cause it's too big. Then you might never start. Well, that's a pretty <laughs> negative implication too. I'd want to be really aware of that one. Right. Well, you know, it's funny cause I did have that feeling a little bit cause I mean this one year Bible, I mean, it's ginormous. It's like mm. two inches thick. Now some mm-hmm. of it's the form factor of the mm-hmm. book, but mm-hmm. still it's like this thing is, I think it's over a thousand pages. I mean, that's, that's a long book. That's a lot of reading. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. You know, and well, I think I might have said in a podcast in the last month or two that as of, as of recent, uh, if, if, the, if the house was going down in a fire, up until now, the books I would have grabbed would have been my journals. Uh, because they're, they're not so much like I went to the store today or, you know, the dog <laughs> threw up today or whatever. <laughs> Even or even like my kids had a great kind of you know presentation today. It, it, it's more a kind of reflective, uh, you know, philosophical and kind of personal progression journals. You know, who, who my thinking through the years, and, and now the book that would replace that is the Bible that I use actively. And the reason it would replace that as the number one book I would grab is because it has had the most time invested into it. It's so filled with markings and cross references questions, highlightings of different colors and, and uh, different symbols in the margins to indicate different things. And so in terms of time and value to me, now as of this point in my life, this particular Bible has taken the role of, you know, number one book for me. Um, and then I would grab all my journals. Um, Yeah, but but I mean, come back a little bit. So, what do you want to accomplish? I mean, your 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 dad made the comment to you. You've got to do some of this for yourself. What did you take that to mean? And 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 I took it as I took it a little bit as kind of a reprimand, kind of as a. Um, well, it's funny because I think well, I had a conversation with you earlier, not related mm-hmm. to the podcast, mm-hmm. about another situation where I felt like a person was constantly parroting someone else's views but it was like come on dude what are your own views (laughs) and so i think it was yeah it was kind of a reprimand and it was also kind of a smack upside the head is like oh you're kind of uh you've been kind of critical of this other person it sounds like you're doing a little bit of the same thing only in this case you're referencing greg (laughs) Uh. (laughs) so i don't know (laughs) i think for me my I guess it's part of my search. It's part of my, um, maybe I can learn something from this. Maybe, uh, let's see. And it's also a, let's, let's let this just move at the pace that it moves. And let's not set some rigorous goals and, you know, mm. milestones or ridiculous schedule around that I have to read 15 pages a day. And if I do 15 pages a day times 365 days, then I'll finish in time. You know, I'm, that's kind of normally the approach I would take and normally yeah. would fail. Uh, but I guess this kind of, it, it fits in with my morning routine, which is, uh, you know, been, oh, I'll read 10 or 15 minutes from something. And I have kind of a stack of books on the floor and I'll just kind of pick up one of them. And as I'm drinking my cup of coffee, I'll... I'll read for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes. And I, I find right. that it just kind of helps get me centered and uh, 
I find that it's a good way to start the day versus reading my personal email, my work email, and then my mind just starts spinning about, oh, what do I need to do today? And then it's just kind of all over. So I find that starting the day by, you know, doing just kind of just doing some peaceful reflection. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, okay, one of the books I can pick up in the morning is this one year Bible. Let's just see where I get. So, so, so right. far it's been, it's been interesting. And, and so the other, the other fork in my little mind map was, oh man, I still need to get a concordance. So I'm curious if you know the answer to this and I, I'm just, if you don't, that's totally fine. So it's fascinating to me. So I'm getting into like, you know, Adam lived to be 800 and some odd years old. And um, then, you know, you get into the story of Noah and Noah lived to be 900 and something. If I'm, I could have that wrong, but is these people according, you know, allegedly these people lived like <laughs> a ginormous amount of time. The question I had there was like, oh, this is interesting. You know, okay, so depending on what you want to do with the days of creation, mm-hmm. I think in today's time in 2015, more people than not would read the you know the six days of creation is not literal 24 hour days Mm -hmm. uh other people would i don't have a strong (laughs) some people say that kind of makes or breaks the whole bible i don't i don't buy into that um but it was just kind of this it was kind of this thought of like hmm okay well i know there are some views that would say well you know adam wasn't really a real person but it's part of the narrative or whatever the right word is here in terms of genesis so it was two questions one at what point like like one did people really live that long do we have any idea if that's true or not and two at what point for those that think that like the beginning parts of genesis are not like literal actual events but they're whatever you would call them like, mm-hmm. at what point in Genesis does it become real? I mean, like, Abraham's real, right? I mean, like, where where would people draw the line there? Yeah, those are good questions. I mean, I don't think that we have any way of determining the, 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 the veracity of the age of uh, someone, uh, you know, some biblical personage. Um, yeah, and... and <laughs> You know, this is, I think that a big part of this discussion is, um, <clears throat> does questioning some of this. So if I doubt that Adam lived to be et cetera, et cetera, years old, or that Adam was indeed, uh, an actual person, um, does that mean that, for example, Jesus didn't exist or David didn't exist or any of these other people didn't exist? And I think, in other words, does it does it dismember and and uh, destroy the fabric of the entire text and the entire story and, and the validity of God? And I would say, well, twenty years ago, I would have said yes. Now I would say no. Continue. <laughs> well, yeah, but part of what's going on through the uh, you know couple years of discussion that you and I have been having, given the topics we've been talking about, is that particularly the focus on experience is that there's a whole lot more here, and the focus on story and narrative too right there's a power to this to this to the biblical story um both in the sense that it's connected to real events and as a story it takes us someplace both of these two things offer something i'm not saying that if one gets stripped away we still have the other i don't think you can strip away either one 
But I think we need to be very, very careful because a reductionistic approach that says you need to believe everything the way that it is written is essentially um, uh, is an idolatrous way of being. It's claiming to have a certain understanding of the text that goes against everything that in other areas, so if you of our lives, we would uh, allow ourselves to claim or not claim, or that we would allow ourselves to delve into. So in other words, there's certain genres and, and ways of writing and tropes and kind of uh, <sighs> literary devices that are part of this text. And when we ignore those, we are making a call, similar to the call that would, that would be, you know, that we talked about quite recently in a podcast, you know, or maybe we talked about in this one, how, how much knowledge or understanding does somebody have to have to actually commit to a relationship with God? And of course, the, my reply was, I don't know, and I don't need to know. That's not my deal. That's God's. Well, when we treat the Bible like a flat piece of paper or like a recipe book, we are putting ourselves in the position of God. We're saying, you know, I know it's written like this. And I know that if I was reading the Enuma Elish, or if I was reading another ancient Near Eastern account, I would think about it as poetry. Or I would think about the poetic aspects as poetry and the, the narrative aspects as narrative. And then the chronicle or, or historiographical elements as, as chronicle or historiography. But I'm not going to do that here because that wouldn't be pleasing to God. No, that's exactly the opposite. <laughs> that's you Bible. taking the place of God. It's, it's, it's an act of extreme idolatry to be reading the text in that way. It is taking a role that we as human beings cannot and are never meant to have. The text is a text. And so on the one hand, is it special? Yes, I think so. On the other hand, is it normal? Yes, it is. It's both. It's got the same literary devices that other uh, texts from that time period and that part of the world uh, manifest. And, and it has, in general, some of the literary characteristics of any other book. Uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a composite sense, it's a multiplicity of books. But so when we come back to some of these questions, we really need to be wary because people, so certain people, for, again, faith reasons, <laughs> but reasons that are contrary to the nature of what it is to be in a right relationship with God. This is the irony, right, which I've called idolatry, and I think it is idolatry. But for faith reasons, quote-unquote, any questioning of these sort of uh, notions of, you know, how long did so-and-so live or is, is Adam historical uh, become um, uh, just invalidate your position as a Christian or your, invalidate you. They, they, they work towards invalidating you as a Christian and they certainly invalidate the investigation you're taking, right? And I, and I think that uh, instead with the Bible, the, the biblical text, the thrust of the biblical text is pushing us towards truth-seeking. So it's pushing us towards looking at some of these questions and trying to be critical in, a, um, in an open way, mm-hmm. right? Not in a, in a destructive way, but as a way of seeking more truth. So, yeah, and so, yeah, and so as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, oh, this person lives to be 800, and this person used to live to be 500. And it was just, a, just given my background, it was just more of a question of like, huh, you know, if if you don't say that the se- the six or seven days of creation are literal twenty four hour periods, I wonder. Oh, okay, are these five hundred literal years that this person lived, or is this another? Hmm. And uh, yeah, and it wasn't a sense of like, oh yeah, this is a pile of rubbish. Now, now I've realized that the Bible's bogus. It was mm-hmm. just more of like a, huh? I wonder. I wonder if Greg knows. 
uh, oh, I guess I should do my own homework. And so I actually pulled out a concordance this morning because I was looking, or not a concordance, a uh, commentary. A commentary, yeah, commentary. Because uh, cool. I was looking into the whole thing of um, of Noah, the the part where um, Noah gets drunk and his son puts a sheet over him or something. And it was interesting because in this in this one year Bible, they have their own commentary sections like interspersed, <laughs> and and some of the commentary I'm just like that seems a little tilted. So anyway, I pulled out this other commentary that I have, and it, it gave a it gave a completely different commentary on that section, and, th- and that that led me to think, oh yeah, I, I still want to get a good set of commentaries that you know I can really go with. But I wanted yeah. to squeeze in one other thing that that also jumped out at me, particularly in the Genesis and stuff, is the topic of sin, right? And you know, as as you've talked about sin, you know, you've you've often described, and you and other people have, have described sin as you know separation or or a break in the relationship with God, and yet it feels to me in the in the Genesis context that sin is constantly tied back to certain acts. If you mm. do this, you have sinned, mm-hmm. and then you have to make reparations for that sin with the animal sacrifice or. Mm-hmm. whatever is required. And I, I don't know, I guess the thing that just struck me is that I just wonder if, if, you know, parts of evangelical Christianity are still stuck in that mode of, you know, sin equals a bad thing you do, so you must figure out all the ways not to do that bad thing versus yeah. this bigger, no, there's a, there's a break in the relationship and and so another question that just popped in my head not expecting you to have the answer was huh i wonder when that shifts i wonder Mm -hmm. how over time this idea of sin being tied to a very specific act i wonder at what point in the story here it it turns into more of a uh, it shifts does that does that question make sense does that um, am i saying that clearly well, yeah, and I guess I'm still caught up on one of your earlier questions, though, about at what point in Genesis do we kind of say, yeah, these people are... Yeah, okay, go there. Well, let's just go there first quickly. I, I, I've heard a couple of different things. Um, w- one of them is that, uh, you know, kind of Genesis, the end of Genesis 11. So we... we, we part, yeah, somewhere in Genesis 11 is where we kind of draw the line. Um. And this is well worth well worth you know a podcast. I, I for me personally, I, I I would need to go back in and do a little bit of. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> well, I'm always leery when there's a research component involved. I know I've done some of it. So, for example, there are there are some thinkers who would say, well, actually, we've had these patriarchal narratives, these these narratives similar to uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob floating around the ancient Near East. Are these actually real people, or are they actually real Hebrew people? And so there's a question there. Um, one of the things that's definitely been raised, and I don't think has been contradicted, is that whatever we may say about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what the Hebrew authors ultimately did with them is very different. It's very different, right, from um, 
what the rest of the ancient Near Eastern cultures, whoever they were, that you they kind of made use of these ideas did with them. So I'm not I'm not I'm not casting my vote either way on that one. You know, in in terms of 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 um, you know Noah. Uh, and, and prior to Noah, what they're basically saying is that this seems more poetic, right? It seems not just poetry. So the first, you know, kind of Genesis 1 and 2, I mean, this this is like uh, Hebrew poetry. Now, is this to say that that Adam and, and Eve cannot be real because of that genre? No, no, not at all. I don't think so. But I, but I do think that we are not dealing with somebody who was transported back in time to observe the beginnings of, 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 of history and to write it all down so that we've got an account of it. We've got, this is a founding narrative written at the time, who knows, in the Davidic period, what was, was when Genesis was, was written, somewhat prior to that perhaps, um, that gives an account of the founding of the nation and of the, the earth, and of what God is doing on a much broader scale. And I think the potency, value, and truth, the truth of the account, is not harmed by Adam not being a literal, live human being, right? And people look to Romans 5, and they say, how do you work that out? And I would say, well, I, I think a number of people have taken some really good stabs at that, and we're in the process of working that out. Not having everything all worked out doesn't mean we close our eyes to all the evidence around us and we kind of, again, stick with this notion that we read the text as a flat thing, which is ultimately an idolatrous proposition, right? It's claiming to know as God would know. It's claiming to override, um, yeah, norms, given norms of, um, you know, literary coherence and significance and meaning and replace them with our own and bad call. Um, So... Yeah, I know that's not satisfying. I would say let's dig into this. Let's research this. Um, and I think We're one of the big reasons ourselves to yet another topic, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm kind of reluctant to do, given that we've committed to several that we haven't delivered on yet. Hey, I'm heavy on the yet. <laughs> We have not yet delivered, but you know what? We're we're making good on some of this stuff. I, I think that the reason that yeah, the the whole the, so Noah Noah kind of surfaces. Um, yeah, I like what you're alone. saying though. I really like what you're saying in terms of yeah, so I hope that I really hope that someone that's listening to this is like, "Oh my gosh, I can't listen to these guys anymore." They uh, <laughs> like they're questioning everything or at least John is. Um <laughs> no, I no I really seriously hope that you can like stick with us in the sense that, you know, yeah, does <laughs> Conclude, yeah, the conclusion about Adam and all that, like, uh, yeah, give that some thought. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I, my way back was, oh, well, if you can't take, you know, Genesis, the first chapter of Genesis to be literal, you know, this is exactly what happened because it says on the first day and on the second day, and we all know what a day is. So if you can't take that, you know, you pretty much just have to throw the entire Bible away, and then where will we be? And you know, I got a little older and realized, oh, oh yeah, the rest of the world's kind of compl- more complicated than that too. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but also, does I'm going to sneak in one more thing. I'm dropping all kinds of stuff here that we can't talk tackle today. But it was this also this thought of just a, it was interesting to me that like some people would conclude that well, you know, a big explosion in outer space, and you know, this is just kind of. 
like the world is just kind of this um, statistically improbable accident. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It just struck me as I'm reading the first part of Genesis. I'm just thinking, you know, I don't know, for whatever reason, for me, I'm not saying for anyone else, but for me, it does seem easier to believe that something bigger than the complexity of our world made this thing versus it just some asteroids collided in outer space and we evolved over a bazillion years and here we all are. Yeah. And there's no God. Like, yeah, I don't know. That was just kind of my own epiphany that, or I don't know epiphany, but it just, those are just my own thoughts. Right. Well, yeah. And, and I guess for me, it's interesting because for the longest time, I've just thought of Christianity as a sociological manifestation. It's just, Hey, you're born here. You learned this. You grew up this way. It's what you're going to do. You know, and they're born there. They grew up that way. That's what they're going to do. So they're Muslim and you're Christian and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I think that, I think that still plays a big part for me in how I think things happen and what, what Christianity or any belief set means to an adherent. Most people who adhere to a belief set don't do it in a fairly reasoned way or, you know, they've kind of made this kind of rigorous attempt to, to kind of um, go against it. And I think that's a big, big deal. That really, if somebody's taken a lot of time to hash through their beliefs and if they've been willing to check certain things or maybe check the whole thing, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm very interested, you know, and, and you might, somebody might say, oh, well, you're just interested, Greg, because that's what you did. So, you know, they seem like you. And I would say, well, maybe there's some truth to that, but, you know, there, there are some processes I think that we've learned about through being human beings that are better and others that are worse in terms of validating the truth claims or the veracity of, of certain states of affairs, you know? So, no, but I appreciate what you're saying. I just think that, you know, I can hear the, I can hear the echoes of someone who might take it from a totally different perspective, mm-hmm. you know? So, so let us know if you're having yeah. that different perspective. <laughs> it, it definitely makes for a good conversation, good discussion. So, yeah, it does. Sorry to be so uh, airy fairy. Maybe not airy fairy. You're not. But. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew you were going to be like, well, I need to do some research on this. And I need to. I'm like, no, I'm just curious. Like, do you know anything? Like, what have you heard? And I won't say that my friend Greg says this is true. I'm just curious. <laughs> just just as a starting point. Yeah. So, yeah, one of these days, hopefully, we'll, we'll get our act together and we'll have. Uh, that list of resources that we talked about a year ago. Thanks for listening to the Untangling Christianity podcast. Notes and links for this episode are at untanglingchristianity.com. We welcome your thoughts and comments both at the website and our private Facebook group, If you'd like to join the private Facebook group, let us know your email address in the sidebar of the website to receive notes and links for each episode, and we'll send you an invite to our private group. Or you can send your thoughts or requests to join the group by email. Send those emails to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is made possible by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. 
Tune in next week for a new episode.